God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. And if there is anything that I say that is not helpful, let us simply forget it. We pray these things in the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Spirit among us. Amen. Have any of you heard that old saying that people say to you after you go through something difficult? There are a few, but I'm thinking of one. This is one of the things people say to you when you start expressing some sadness or anger about something that you've been through. Have you heard this? I've had many people tell me this before after failing a test, after losing a friend, after a death in the family, after a rejection of any kind. And when I say that I don't like what I just went through, then this saying happens. Someone is bound to say it, and it goes like this. Well, dear, I know it was terrible, but the truth is you can either become bitter or you can become better. And now you can make the choice. Put on a happy face. And when I've heard this saying of either becoming bitter or better, I always felt a little uncomfortable and more bitter. Of course, I didn't want to be bitter. It was maybe the worst thing a Christian girl could be after all. And I wanted to be better. I wanted to keep growing and be the best that I could be. But as I kept growing, kept living life and experiencing more pain, I found myself at times somewhat bitter. The feeling wouldn't always last forever. No, it would come and go in seasons. But after something had hurt me, there was always a moment, perhaps two, a day, a week, a month, where I would feel bitter. And I learned that Mary, the mother of Jesus, her name means bitter. So I figured maybe it wasn't that bad. That bitterness would always move into peace later, something that was better, I guess. I grew from the pain through bitterness and became better, I suppose. Bitterness didn't always last forever, but it was a companion on some parts of my journey. Maybe you felt that too. And one day I saw myself, my bitterness, in a new light as I watched a children's choir sing in a church that I was a part of. I was directing a children's choir for one piece of my internship in college for my music major, and I was spending time at this church in downtown Spokane teaching kids how to read notes on a page, how to listen and sing along to new melodies, and of course, how to sing at the top of their lungs, for that's one of my favorite things to do. And on this day, the kids were learning that song, I've Got the Joy, Joy, Joy. Do you know it? I'm sure you do. It goes like this. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. <laughs> and the verses get more and more tongue twisty until there's something like this. I've got the wonderful love of the blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my heart. <laughs> And then the chorus, and I'm so happy, so very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And it goes on and on. And these kids in the kids' choir were singing, short, sort of shouting, many of them, at the top of their lungs, and they were all doing it except for one kid. This kid was having none of it. And as I look back on it, I remember that we had run out of animal crackers and we hadn't had as many for a snack that day. And this kid took it pretty personally that we only got four animal crackers each instead of five. I mean, I get it, four is not enough. 
But after we finished snack time and handed little musical and percussion instruments to each kid and got back to choir rehearsal, this kid angrily banged his tambourine on his knee while frowning a scowl that would rival Mr. Scrooge. And he did this all while the choir sang, shouted, and I'm so happy, so very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. That poor kid. <laughs> he wasn't feeling the forced positivity. He wanted more animal crackers, for heaven's sake. The rest of the kids had forgotten the animal cracker famine and were bouncing up and down, feeling the joy, joy, joy way down in the depths of their heart, but this kid was not. He was feeling bitter and snarky. And while I knew that an assistant was downstairs in the church kitchen searching high and low for more snacks, and while there was bound to be something we could give these kids, this kid wasn't up for waiting. He wanted his animal crackers, and he wanted them now. And this is maybe how I feel when someone says, you either become bitter or you become better. After something hard in life, while we wait for more animal crackers to come into our lives, maybe wait for things to come that we've wanted forever, sometimes bitterness comes. Everyone around us seems to be singing, and I'm so happy, so very happy. And all we can do is bang our little tambourine sarcastically and bitterly because we want that happiness too, and it isn't on the horizon. Feels like we've waited long enough. It doesn't seem to be coming. Our Luke reading today that we read responsively, thank you, Bryce and Bonnie, for doing that. It's a song sung by Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. And let me tell you some about Zechariah before he sings this song. Earlier in the text of the song that we read today, we learned some about a couple. Zechariah was a priest and Elizabeth was his wife. And I imagine that they were feeling something like this little choir kid. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were an older couple who were childless and they had wanted a child. And everyone else was bouncing around town, seemingly with the joy, 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 way down in the depths of their hearts, bouncing their babies on their hips and they picked up, as they picked up flour at the market, telling stories around the well of what new and exciting thing their ch children had done. And Elizabeth and Zechariah were getting older, and I imagine dashed hopes had turned into some bitterness. Maybe they thought their turn wasn't coming. Maybe continued whispers and pity were what they'd receive from family and neighbors for the rest of their lives. You know how people respond sometimes when things don't make sense, when we don't have the things that we long for. People don't always know how to sit in our pain. Maybe Elizabeth and Zechariah, they'd watch their friends' children grow up and have children of their own while never receiving what they longed for. It didn't feel fair. And so, what does Zechariah, this man who wants to be a father, what does he do as he waits and has his hopes dashed again and again? In our text, Zechariah goes to work as he does each day. But this day, the day that we read about in Luke 1, before his song, this day it was his turn in the temple to go to the most holy place where God was said to dwell and light incense on behalf of his people. And as he goes to light the incense, I imagine he also prayed some for him and his wife. Maybe he prayed for a baby, asking God to come through for them, to bring them what they longed for, what they waited for. 
what perhaps they no longer believed would happen. He had, I imagine, had prayed for a baby many times. Maybe in recent years his prayers had been fewer and farer between as hope had gotten smaller and smaller. But he thought, why not? He was in the temple, after all, lighting incense. Why not pray? And his heart, it ached. Maybe Zechariah thought of the look in Elizabeth's eyes, how her shoulders became heavy every time she glimpsed a mother with her children when they were in town, how he saw tears come into her eyes when the neighbors next door couldn't quiet and put to bed their newborn. And so he lit the incense on behalf of his people, and as he did so, I imagine he snuck in a prayer for a baby too. And suddenly he sees an angel in this holy space. The angel tells him not to be afraid, but that his prayers have been heard and that his wife Elizabeth and him would have a son. And Zechariah, too much has happened for him to believe this right away, and from the mouth of an otherworldly being, no less. He remembers the years of hope and waiting and grief, and he can't help it. The first words out of his mouth, I imagine, have a twinge of bitterness. He says, how? How will this happen? We are old, there's no way, literally none. Is it is impossible for us to have a child? Tell me how. I imagine he says it all with a bit of a challenge. And I don't understand it. Mary asks questions of the angel too when she is told she will become pregnant and bear the Son of God, but she receives no consequences for her doubt, her confusion and her questions, not from the angel anyway. But Zechariah? The angel tells him that because he didn't believe in the angel's frankly ridiculous word, he wouldn't be able to speak or hear until his son is born. And it was so. Zechariah could neither speak nor hear when he left the temple, and his wife Elizabeth, she did become pregnant. Now when the baby is born, Zechariah is able to talk, and the first thing out of his mouth, it is praise for God, a blessing or a barach that most Jewish prayers and songs begin with. He sang that song that we read responsively this morning in Luke chapter one. You can read it again in your bulletin. And now I won't lie, Zechariah's response doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. Zechariah has longed to have a child for forever but has had his hopes dashed for years. And when he had the audacity to doubt that he and his wife wouldn't have a child when they were elderly, an angel effectively cursed him so he wouldn't be able to speak or hear for nine months. As soon as his baby is born and he can talk and hear again, his first action is joy, <laughs> blessing, praise. But maybe that's what comes from waiting in a different way. There are so many times that our hearts are a wreck because of painful experiences. Loss of waiting for what we don't believe will ever come. In these times, we feel bitterness and anger, sadness, apathy, emptiness, holiness, hopelessness. And sometimes in our waiting, we become frantic. We want to control everything. We don't sit still. We go after things with impatience and fear. It becomes so stressful. And I wonder if what the angel gives Zechariah is a gift in a way. I don't like it, but perhaps it is. It's kind of mean-spirited, in my opinion, but it could be seen as a kindness. 
Zechariah, in this time of wild transition and newness of his wildest dreams may be coming true for once, I imagine he would want to control it all, make sure everything is perfect, get himself into an anxious fit trying to make sure his baby is born, though there wasn't anything he could do about it. His lack of control would maybe make him feel afraid. He wouldn't sit still, I bet, in his waiting. He would be anxious. But instead, for nine months, he can't hear and he can't speak. As the hypochondriac I sometimes am, I would be freaked out by this and Google all the symptoms. <laughs> it's a good thing Zechariah didn't have WebMD. And I bet I'd feel renewed bitterness. But I imagine over a few months, I would begin to sit with it, with this new reality, in this new, odd, surprising season. And I imagine Zechariah would too. I imagine he's forced to watch more in his silence to sit more, to rest more, to notice the ways in which Elizabeth has some renewed hope, too. How in town, in temple, when she sees families, she might smile a little at the secret she carries. How when the baby screams all night next door, she listens intently to hear how the neighbors have learned to soothe their child, taking notes for when her time would come. And I bet Zechariah, over the months he was silent and deaf, I imagine he began to see the world just a little differently. To see beauty in small things, the way his wife had learned to communicate with him by smiles and mouthing her words. How the sun looked early in the morning as he traveled to temple, maybe he noticed that. In his months of quiet, maybe he meditated and learned new things about himself as he remembered the many years of waiting and hoping and grieving. Perhaps he encountered God in that silence. And I think we're called to this sometimes too. Of course, sometimes going through something, experiencing loss and waiting for what doesn't seem to be coming, it does sometimes build character, does sometimes make us stronger. Sometimes we see it when we look back on that moment when we went through something we shouldn't have had to. Hindsight is 2020. We can see how we learned. Sometimes we see we've grown and understood life better. That is, if we have love and support from folks who help us become resilient. And it does happen over time. It isn't right away. But despite this, the walking through it, the walking through the difficult pieces, it is awful. There's no doubt about it. And bitterness does come. But in the middle of it, there is still bitterness. An angel may not strike us deaf and mute, but we are still in spaces of transition and fear and waiting and wanting to control outcomes that are out of our hands. And we might shout sometimes, cry our pain, yell at God, and be wildly vocal, and that is good and needed to be loud in the middle of it. And sometimes silence is good. Sometimes we need silence to know ourselves better and to know God better. Silence lets us listen to our internal voice telling us what we need and what is best. Silence helps us listen to the Holy Spirit. Silence lets us know what we need to heal. Silence helps us confront what is terrifying within us and come to places of peace. Silence, like joy, helps us remember things momentous. There's a reason why, I think, that hymn, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence, why it says that. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. 
Christmas itself, it's a time for joy, but maybe it's a time for silence too. It's momentous, it's wild, and it's serious. Our loving God is becoming human, becoming human to be with us in the mess that we cause towards each other, ourselves, the earth. It is our powerful God coming to us in our bitterness. It is our wild, strong, mysterious God meeting us and suffering with us. It is God making things right. Christmas is full of hope and expectation, joy, but it is also confusing, mysterious, and even scary when we think about the real story. Maybe we we must also plan in some time for silence and meditation, too, in this season. Let all mortal flesh keep silence like Zechariah. It's fitting for Christmas, too. Zechariah's name, it means Yahweh will remember. I think it is important to note that this is where Zechariah ends up in our narrative at the end of Luke 1. He ends up remembering that Yahweh will remember. Elizabeth has the baby, and Zechariah is able to speak again, and one of the very first things he does is praise God. He knows that Yahweh does remember. He and Elizabeth, they've waited forever. They become bitter and held grief. They've been angry and sad and apathetic, hopeless and confused. And yet, even then, in their bitterness, God brings them the desire of their hearts. Zechariah praises God with his new voice and ears. He sings a song about God's goodness, about how God remembers his promises, and how God works to rescue them. Yahweh will remember. God remembers. And maybe we too can cling on to the truth of Zechariah's name. Yahweh will remember. God remembers. God remembers us as we wait, as we go through things we shouldn't have to, as we feel ripped apart in life and want things to be better. God remembers the ways we are created and the desires of our hearts. God remembers our bitter and angry and sad words spoken in prayer as we ask God again to make things right in our lives and around the world. Yahweh remembers. God remembers. And maybe in the middle of Christmas, you are feeling some bitterness more than anything else this year. Sometimes holidays more than anything else are a bitter and sad time. Maybe you are feeling more grief or stress or anger or confusion. Maybe you aren't looking forward to these days of celebration. It feels impossible to celebrate for you. On the longest night of the year happening last night, it makes sense. So maybe in these days, let your mortal flesh keep silence. In it, may you listen to what your body tells you to do, to scream and cry and yell at God sometimes, and may you also take time to sit in quiet, honoring your feelings in this time and meditating, taking after Zechariah, letting your mortal flesh keep silence. And as you breathe in and out your grief and sighs of bitterness, wondering if goodness will ever finally come for you too, know that even in your bitterness, God knows how you were created. God knows how long you've waited. God knows what you long for. Yahweh will remember. God 
remembers. Amen.